Well, before we come to God's Word together, I just wanted to make a few announcements. Uh, firstly, if you don't have a Bible, if you're used to having a pew Bible at your church, I have brought a crate of some Bibles there. Does anyone need one? Put up your hand if you need a Bible. Because it's helpful to have a Bible as you follow along with the message. Oh, very good. Okay. If, if you are too embarrassed to stick your hand up right now and you'd like one later, help yourself. Um, and if you don't actually own a Bible, then uh, you can take that one away and keep it. But if you have one at home and you've just forgotten it, then please return it afterwards. Does anyone need a Bible? Chris will bring it to you. Look at that. No? Okay, good. Um, now, before we go into God's Word, I wanted to review a couple of books, and I will be speaking on preaching. And so if you find that you can't understand me and you're not really sure about preaching and how to listen to sermons, uh, then I have no better resource for you than Listen Up, this little booklet here. Um, it's written by Christopher Ash. It is really helpful on different uh, tips on how to listen to sermons, how to get the most uh, from sermons that are preached to you, and even how to listen to bad sermons. Uh, there's, a, there's a section at the back. Um, and so if you find that uh, you uh, are not enjoying a particular sermon, then there's tips there for you on how to profit even from bad sermons. Another book, uh, so that's uh, $3. There's quite a few copies of that on the bookstore there. Another book uh, that is very helpful when it comes to preaching, was particularly helpful to me, is this biography of George Whitfield by uh, Dallymore. Uh, this is a classic in the Christian church about a classic preacher of God's word. A preacher from the 1700s, Whitfield, he's famous, he was anointed of God. I'm, I'm going to actually give an illustration from him in the message as well. Uh, this book uh, really presses home the way that God can use preaching to prosper his church. It is a uh, uh, a long read. This is actually just volume one. There is a second volume. Uh, but most people enjoy the first volume and then they do go and buy the second at a later point. I gave this to a woman at our church. It changed her life, uh, not just in terms of preaching, but also uh, the doctrines of grace. We're really impressed home to her by reading this book. Uh, so it is a, a well, well worth the effort of ploughing through it. It is a little pricey because it is a hardcover cloth bound by Banner of Truth, um, and but that means it will stand the test of time. I own a lot of books, and when they're stuck together with staples or glue, they do fall apart in time. Uh, these books don't fall apart. That means it's an investment for you, and over the long term, you can read it now. You'll be able to read it again in 20 years' time very easily. And it can even go down to children, grandchildren as a result. So it's a wise investment. Uh, it's usually $62, according to this, uh, at Reformers, but it's been dropped down to $57.99, not even $58. Um, so uh, well worth the investment when you consider you will benefit from it and other people down the track will benefit. I read my father's copy. I haven't bought my own copy. And uh, it was a great blessing to me to have that in the home. Uh, so can't recommend that one highly enough. And there's only one copy of it. Tom said there was only one in the shop. He'll take orders. There you go. Um, but if you, if you want to get into what God has done with preaching in, uh, in history, then snap it up um, quickly off the bookstore. Now, let's uh, read from God's Word together. So can you open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4? 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, 
2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'll read from verse 1 through to verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4, reading from verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak to him. Heavenly Father, we come as people who are seeking to make our ways pure. And so, Lord, we know that to have pure ways, we must live according to your word. So, Lord, we ask that you would help us this morning as we look at your word together. We pray that your spirit indeed would move amongst us so that we are obedient to your word and are pure in your eyes. We thank you for the purity that we have through the work of Jesus Christ, that his righteousness is put to our account. But, Lord, we ask that you would help us to become holy as you are holy, particularly by looking at your word this morning together. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as Mike has said, I've been given the subject of looking at preaching. And so you saw that from Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that the apostles devoted themselves, uh, that the people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, uh, to the preaching of the word that they were administering. And this is indeed an important subject, preaching of God's word. Why do we understand that it is important? Well, because it's actually been commanded by God to his leaders of his church, that they are to be preachers. And we see that in particularly here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the passage that we just had read for us. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, there is a command from the Apostle Paul to his apprentice, so to speak, to Timothy, a, a leader of the church. He is commanded that he is to be a preacher of God's word. And he says that in verses 1 and 2. Verse 1, it says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. What is it? Timothy is given by Paul? Preach the word. A very strong command. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. And so it's fitting that today I would speak about the importance of preaching the word. But why is it necessary? Why is it necessary to preach on preaching? Why is it necessary to tell people that they need to hear the word preached? Well, that's because there are seasons for preaching and there are seasons where people do not like the preaching of God's word, where the preaching of God's word is even hated. And that is told to us in the text there as well. In verse 2, the command is given to Timothy, preach the word, I be prepared in season and out of season. There are out of seasons for God's preaching. 
There are times when people really do not like the preaching of God. And so it is necessary to command that people have the preaching of God's word, that they go and listen to preaching of God's word, and that those who are to administer the preaching of God's word continue to do so despite the fact that people reject the preaching of God's word. And it's not surprising that people will reject preaching from time to time, that they dislike it, that they hate it, uh, because humanity struggles with authority. We always struggle with authority. We start from a very young age, whether it be we struggle with our parents' authority. We do not like to have our parents preach to us to tell us what to do, and we struggle against it. And then, of course, when we get older, we have teachers and we have bosses at work that we do not like their authority over us. We don't like the politicians and their authority, the men, uh, so to speak. We don't even like the, um, the authority of scientists. We will see black and white different things of the world, but we will reject them uh, because we do not like people telling us uh, what to do and what is right and what is wrong. We don't like journalists, um, the people who often are an authority figure in giving us the news. We reject what they say. And we even see this with medical doctors. If my doctor says, I need to go on a diet, well, yeah, what does he know? Um, and we, we reject their authority. And even when it comes to psychologists, you know, the best kind of psychologists are those ones that do self-help, that really help me help myself, because I don't really want someone telling me what to do. We don't like people telling us what to do. And that is the heart of preaching. We don't like people preaching to us. We often say, don't preach to me. We may not be talking about theological subjects. We just know that preaching is where someone with authority is telling us what to do. And we don't like it. And particularly when it comes to God, we don't like it. Because he is the supreme authority. He's not a medical doctor. He's not a politician in this land. He is the supreme authority. There is no one greater. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. And we really don't like people that are right, right at the top. And it's interesting when you consider the things that God heralds, the things that he preaches about are to do with our morality. It's not as though God, when he says preach, he says preach about mathematical principles that really don't have much impact upon your behaviour. And so it would be all right if he taught us those kinds of things. No, he says preach the word. And the word has a lot to say about how we live and about our pet sins that we love so much. And so when it comes to the preaching of God's word, it's not surprising we struggle to want it and to do it ourselves if we're called to preach because we know that people do not like authority and we know that they do not like being particularly told what to do. So we see this in churches, that churches will talk about, oh, let's... Let's not have preaching so much. Let's have cafe church where we all sit around tables and, and have a chat or we'll have dialogue about God's word. We don't want what is truly preaching, a heralding of truth without room for debate. That is what the word preaching means. It's the kind of idea of a town crier coming in and telling you what the, the king of the land has to say. And you don't debate with the town crier about the message. That's what God does with his preaching. And so there's no place for dialogue when it comes to the preaching of the word. God speaks, we listen. But of course, there's out of seasons for that. And they're far too common. But before we get too discouraged about that, we should also recognise in the text, it says that there's in seasons for preaching as well. It says in 
verse 2, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. There are in seasons for the preaching of God's word. We need to remember to preach God's word in the out of seasons. They have this mandate here to make sure that the Christian church has preaching front and centre despite the out of season. But there's also an encouragement to have the preaching of God's word when it is in season, when people are hungering for the word, when they're hungering to hear from God, when they're gathering for worship, it's not the time to go, yeah, let's just have a chat today about different things and different issues that we've got going on and there's so many people here, let's sort out some administration matters. No, the command there is to preach the word in season as well. When people are hungry for preaching of God's word, we feed them. Just as when they're not hungry for God's word, we try and feed them as well with the preaching of the word. But when it's in season, we feed them as well. And we should long for those in seasons when people want to hear God's word. And sometimes those in seasons are phenomenally good and they go for extended periods of time and we call those revival periods. And they happen in church history. They happen in the pages of the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. You see when Jesus is preaching, huge numbers Hard to know how many people, they come from all over different regions and gather to hear the preaching of God's word. That's an in-season. And it's the same with the apostles. There's times when large numbers of people come to hear God's word and God's faithful ministers stand up and they preach as instructed to by the scriptures. But you may be saying, oh, well, that was the New Testament, unusual period. Of course, people gather to hear Jesus preach and the apostles But does he still have in-seasons today? Well, yes, there are in-seasons. And there's been classic ones in history, uh, particularly, as I said before, about George Whitfield. He saw many revivals of people wanting to hear the preaching of God's word, where people came in large numbers to hear him preach. And I just want to read for you, it's a bit of a long account, about one particular man when he heard that Whitfield was preaching and what happened in his own heart and the hearts of others. So Whitfield was uh, an Englishman and he travelled to North America. This is in the 1700s. And he travelled to North America and revivals were breaking out all over the place. Wherever he went, people would flock to hear him preaching. It was an in-season. And here is an account of one man who heard that Whitfield was coming and his response and the response of the people. So this is in Middleton, Massachusetts, in the States, in the 1700s. We read this man's account. He's a farmer in his field, and it says, in then, and this is his own personal account, he says, Then one morning, all on a sudden, about eight or nine o'clock, there came a messenger and said, Mr. Whitfield is to preach at Middleton this morning at 10 o'clock. So it's about eight or nine o'clock in the morning. He's in his field. He hears Whitfield is coming at 10 I was in my field at work. I dropped my tool that I had in my hand and ran home and ran through my house and bade my wife get ready quick to go and hear Mr. Whitfield preach at Middleton and run to my pasture for my horse with all my might, fearing that I should be too late to hear him. I brought my horse home and soon mounted and took my wife up and went forward as fast as I thought the horse could bear. And when my horse began to be out of breath, I would get down and put my wife on the saddle and bid her ride as fast as she could and not stop or slack for me except I bade her. And so I would run until I was much out of breath and then mount my horse again. And so I did several times to favour my horse. We improved every moment to get along as if we were fleeing for our lives, all the while fearing we should be too late to hear the sermon. For we had 12 miles to ride, double in little more than an hour. 
Here he is. He's got his wife. We're going to hear Whitfield. Get on the horse and we're running and we're making the horse go as far as possible. And when we came within about half a mile of the road that comes down from Hartford Weathersfield and Stepney to Middleton, on high land I saw before me a cloud or fog rising. I first thought it came from the great Connecticut River, but as I came nearer the road, I heard a noise, something like a low rumbling thunder, and presently found it was the noise of horses' feet coming down the road. And this cloud was a cloud of dust made by the horses' feet. It arose into the air over the tops of the hills and trees and when I came to the road I could see men and horses slipping along in the cloud like shadows and as I drew nearer it seemed like a steady stream of horses and their riders, scarcely a horse more than his length behind another, all of a lather and foam with sweat, their breath rolling out of their nostrils in the cloud of dust every jump. Every horse seemed to go with all his might to carry his rider to hear news from heaven for the saving of souls." This massive cloud of dust, all these people on horses charging to go and hear the preaching of God's word. It made me tremble to see the sight, how the world was in a struggle. I found a vacancy between two horses to slip in my horse, and my wife said, Our clothes will all be spoiled. See how they look? For they were so covered with dust that they all looked almost all of a colour. Coats, hats and shirts and horses. This cloud of dust has just enveloped them all. They all look the same colour. We went down in the stream. I heard no man speak a word all the way three miles, but everyone pressing forward in great haste. And when we got to the old meeting house, there was a great multitude. It was said to be three or four thousand of people assembled together. We got off from our horses and shook off the dust. I turned and looked towards the great river and saw the ferry boats running swift forward and bringing over loads of people. The oars rowed nimble and quick, Everything, men, horses and boats, seemed to be struggling for life. The land and banks over the river looked black with people and horses all along the 12 miles. I saw no man at work in his field, but all seemed to be gone. When I saw Mr Whitfield come upon the scaffold, he looked almost angelical, a young, slim, slender youth before some thousands of people with a bold, undaunted countenance, and, uh, and my hearing how God was with him everywhere as he came along it solemnized my mind and put me into a trembling fear before he began to preach. For he looked as if he was clothed with authority from the great God and a sweet, solemn solemnity sat upon his brow. And my hearing him preach gave me a heart wound. By God's blessing, my old foundation was broken up and I saw that my righteousness would not save me. So here was an in-season. If you've never seen an in-season before, try and picture that, of these people coming to hear the preaching of God's word. It does happen where people are hungry for the word and people are saved like that farmer was many years ago. But sometimes it's not an extended period of season. Uh, there's an in-season, a revival. But sometimes we just get little tastes of revival for moments in this time that we live in, this age that we live in. It can be on certain Sundays where the minister is preaching and as he preaches, people's hearts are affected. The Holy Spirit moves amongst people in a marvellous way. Pastor Raymond Ortland Jr. describes this kind of phenomenon in the preaching of God's word in his commentary 
in the book of Hebrews, he says, There are times when I am preaching that I have especially sensed the pleasure of God. I usually become aware of it through the unnatural silence. The ever-present coughing ceases and the pews stop creaking, bringing an almost physical quiet to the sanctuary, through which my words sail like arrows. I experience a heightened eloquence so that the cadence and volume of my voice intensify the truth I am preaching. There is nothing quite like it. The Holy Spirit filling one's sails, the sense of his pleasure and the awareness that something is happening among one's hearers. This experience is, of course, not unique. For thousands of preachers have similar experiences, even greater ones. When God minister stands up and preaches he can cause in seasons moments in time where the holy spirit moves there and if you're not there for the preaching of god's word you miss such seasons you saw how those people wanted to hear george whitfield they did everything they could to be there when he preaches and it can happen sunday ordinary sunday you think not much is going to happen at church and you go along and god is present amongst his people and moves powerfully. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the great preachers of last century, he says, and he talks about the romance of the pulpit and how it's addictive for a preacher sometimes because he has the spirit moving amongst him. And he says to the people, you should never miss a Sunday because you don't know if the Holy Spirit will show up and do something powerfully and you will miss it by not being there for the preaching of God's word. There are definite in-seasons for the preaching of God's word. And God tells us to make sure that when he is moving amongst the people that the preaching of God's word is happening, that people are being fed. And that is what is told to us here in verse 2. It says, preach the word, be prepared. Be prepared with preaching of God's word in season and out of season. So we need to beg God for such seasons and we need to be prepared for them. We need to pray for revival. Is revival on your prayer list? Is it prayed for at your church prayer meetings that there would be an in-season for the preaching of God's word? And is your church prepared for the preaching of God's word? We need to have the preaching of God's word for in-seasons. We need to hunger for them, but we also need them for the out-of-seasons as well. We need preaching for both seasons. Now, I'm not a farmer, and I don't do much in the garden, but I do have a lawn. I do have a grass that I love. It's the only thing I can seem to cultivate well enough. Bushes that I plant uh, struggle along uh, for dear life, um, and some of them I have to end up pulling out. But I do have grass, and I've learned with my grass, and it is my grass. Some people in our family say it's family grass, Dad. I am allowed to walk on it. But no, it's my grass. You keep off it. But I've learned that there's in-seasons. There's time to fertilise it, and there's time when you just don't put fertiliser down on it. Uh, particularly in the heat of summer, it's a bad time to be putting cow manure over the grass if it's a scorching day. It'll scorch the grass. It's a bad time to put water down. It's in the middle of a hot summer's day. It's a bad time to put water down. You can hurt the grass doing that. There's in-seasons and there's out-of-seasons in looking after plants and looking after grass. But when it comes to God's word, we're always to preach it. We're always to water God's people, even if it's an out-of-season, but especially in the in-seasons. So what are we to do if the preaching of God's word must continue in-season and out-of-season? 
How do we prepare for preaching of God's word? Because that is what we're told to do here in verse 2. Well, Timothy is told, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. How can we be prepared? Now, for some of you, it's by preparing sermons yourself. If you're called to preach, then you need to be prepared to preach in season and out of season. That goes for myself as well. I need to make sure that I am prepared to preach regardless of the season. But what about you if you're not a preacher of God's word? Well, I think there's still application for you as well as a listener of God's word. Listeners of God's word do indeed have a role to play in making sure that the preaching of God's word is there, that they prepare for the preaching of God's word so that people can hear it and so that they too can benefit from the preaching of God's word. How do you prepare for preaching of God's word? Well, you can prepare your church for the preaching of God's word by only supporting churches that love preaching, that take this command seriously. You have to consider, does my church have regular preaching of the word? Of the word, not self-motivational talks as passes for preaching in many Christian churches. No, do they preach the word? And that will be then the church that I support with my time, my money, is one where the preaching of God's word is loved. And you look at the church that you're attending and you say, is my pastor a preacher or is he more of a CEO that directs things within the church? Is he a preacher? I want a preacher as a pastor, one who administers the word of God. And so you can prepare your church by making sure you're attending a church that takes this verse seriously. And then you can also prepare your pastor for the preaching of God's word, that he will preach well when he stands up to administer God's word. How can you do that? How can you help your pastor so he preaches well? Well, firstly, you pay him a good salary. It's a good way to start in that he doesn't have to work part-time so that his time is freed up so that he can prepare messages that will fly like arrows amongst the people and pierce hearts. Yes, there are many tent-making pastors out there who you know, work through the week and God uses them powerfully. But it's wonderful if a pastor can have his time freed up from secular work, that he doesn't have to worry whether his children will have food tomorrow because his church is looking after him and saying, make sure you give us a good meal on Sunday. You can also surround your pastor with other leaders in the church, elders and deacons to carry the burdens of the church. Pastors often, they get snowed under with all kinds of matters. It's wonderful for them to follow the biblical model of churches and have elders to make, respons- uh, make responsible decisions, difficult decisions at times. It's not always the pastor that's making the tough decisions. He's got elders there and he's got deacons to handle a lot of the administration work that goes on within a church so that he doesn't have to worry it about those kinds of things so he can concentrate on feeding God's people. And even you, if you're not a church officer, a deacon or an elder, you in the church, you can look at what burdens can I carry in the church so that my preacher has time to focus on God's word so that I make sure that even though it's an out of season, that he will get up and he will stand and he will preach to those who are present on that Sunday morning. And you can also encourage him when he does preach. Speak to him about what you found helpful from the message, particularly what text, if he was preaching on a text, say, I never saw that before in, in 
in that verse, or I was good to be reminded of that verse. I was helped by that. And, and encourage him by what was helpful. Don't just say it was a good sermon. No, that's one way to try and encourage your pastor. But I'm, I'm always really encouraged when someone says, yes, that really taught me a lesson that I needed to learn. I needed to hear that today. It was a blessing to me to be amongst God's people and hearing the preaching of God's word. And, of course, pray for your pastor that he will preach well. And pray for the, his listeners that they will hear what he has to say and be taught by God. And then, of course, you don't just prepare for preaching by making sure you're supporting a church that has a focus on preaching, making sure that your pastor preaches well. You should be preparing yourself for the preaching of God's word. Verse says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. You need to prepare yourself, not for delivering God's word, but for receiving God's word as it is preached. Now, how do you prepare yourself for preaching, whether it be in season or out of season? Well, create an appetite for God's word. Read the word through the week. Don't just expect that on Sunday mornings you come along to church, you hear a bit from the word, and you automatically have an appetite for it. No, read God's word through the week and read Christian books about God's word that create this hunger in you, that when you go to church on Sunday, you're eager to find out what is God going to teach me today as I listen to the word preached. And of course, you should love your preacher. That's one of the things that I think is so important for members of a church is to get on well with your preacher because if you don't like your preacher and he stands up and tries to administer God's word, you're going to have a deaf ear to most of what he says. You're going to think, hypocrite, I don't like you. Why should I listen to you? Make sure you love your preacher. Amen. And then you will have an ear to hear what he says. It's true. So much of a man's message is about his life as well as his doctrine. A clear example of that is with the politician Barnaby Joyce. He has a message about traditional marriage. Who's got an ear to listen to it now? Because of his life. And so preachers have a responsibility to make sure they're watching their life and doctrine because if they don't watch over their life, people aren't going to listen to them. And so make sure you're doing everything you possibly can to make sure you're on good terms with your pastor, your preacher, so that when you hear him preach, you've got an ear to listen. How else can you prepare yourself for the preaching of God's word? Well, you can prepare your body for the preaching of God's word. What do I mean by that? I mean getting a good night's sleep before you come to the preaching of God's word. So you're not falling asleep during the message. Go to bed early on Saturday night so that you wake up refreshed in the morning. may even have some time to pray and read the scriptures before going to worship. And dress appropriately. I'm not talking about modesty. I'm talking about temperatures. Wear enough in winter and remove your jackets in summer. If you're too hot in church, you're, not going, you're going to be distracted by all kinds of things. Work at removing distractions from you as you hear the preaching of God's word. Some people, I think that's all they think about most of the time, that the preaching of God's word is, is it too hot or is it too cold in here today. So make sure you do what you can. Yes, there's a responsibility on the church to try and make a, a nice uh, temperature of the building, but you have a responsibility as well. Think about such things as you're going to the preaching of God's word. And also show up, of course, and on time. Pastors actually, I, well, at least I do, I spend a fair bit of time working out the whole service. I choose a psalm, an opening psalm for a call to worship. 
I choose the songs carefully so they match with the preaching. I choose an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading, whichever one I'm preaching on, of course, and then one that matches from the Old Testament. And those who wander in late, they miss the call to worship. They miss a few songs at the beginning. They've been carefully chosen to be on the subject of preaching. And so they're not ready in the way that everybody else is. And the prayer that we have, there's pastoral prayer, there's confession of sin, there's a praise of God, there's a thanksgiving to God, there's intercession about the church itself, that all cultivates us ready, as like grass or a type of plant, cultivates us ready for the feeding of God's word to us through its preaching. So there are things you can do beforehand. Cultivate your appetite, love your preacher, prepare your body, and show up on time and be there for the whole service. But during the preaching, you can also prepare yourself. As you're hearing God's word, you can work at learning by concentrating, by looking at the Bible. When the pastor says, look at the Bible, sometimes it's just a way to get you to wake up and, and look down again and, and re-engage with whatever's been saying being said. You can take notes if that's one way of you trying to concentrate. If you get distracted easily, write along. You can throw the notes in the bin at the end. Just take some notes to keep your mind engaged with what is saying and scratch around in the sermon to find something helpful. There may be lots of things that are familiar to you. You think, oh, I know this. Why do I need to hear this? Scratch around to find something helpful. And you'll be surprised if you just look for one thing that I get from this message today. I want to find one thing that God, where I feel God speaks to me by his spirit, where I'm impressed, it's impressed upon me by something that I can do in my life. Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of the 1800s, uh, one of my favourite preachers of all time, uh, he has an illustration uh, about one person who he knew who used to scratch around in sermons to find something. And it was his old cook. So he, he lived, um, he, before he became a minister, he did some tutoring, uh, so uh, tutored boys, and he stayed in this, uh, this, um, this college for boys, and there was a cook there. And he talks about this old cook that he had. He said, the first lessons I ever had in theology were from an old cook in the school at Newmarket where I was an usher. She was a good old soul. She liked something very sweet indeed, good, strong, Calvinistic doctrine. But she lived strongly as well as fed strongly. She was a godly, experienced woman from whom I learned far more than I did from the minister of the chapel we attended. I asked her once, why do you go to such a place? She replied, well, there is no other place of worship to which I can go. I said, but it must be better to stay at home than to hear such stuff. Perhaps so, she answered, but I like to go out to worship, even if I get nothing by going. You see a hen sometimes scratching all over a heap of rubbish to try and find some corn. She does not get any, but it shows that she is looking for it and using the means to get it. And then, too, the exercise warms her. Picture that, the hen scratching around the rubbish heap, not finding much, but just the exercise warms her up as she's scratching around. So the old lady said that scratching over the poor sermons she heard was a blessing to her because it exercised her spiritual faculties and warmed her spirit. On another occasion, I told her that I had not found a crumb in the whole sermon and asked her how she had fared. Oh, she answered, I got on better tonight. 
For to all the preacher said, I just put in a knot. And that turned his talk into real gospel. (laughs) She was definitely scratching around in a sermon. She made sure she was there for worship of God. There was nowhere else for her to go, but she thought, it's better than staying at home. I go there and I will scratch around and I will find something in the message to help me, even if it means I have to modify the message somewhat. It was still exercising her spiritual faculties in going along and listening to the preaching of God's word. So take practical steps to prepare for the preaching of God's word before and during the sermon as well. And maybe I've missed some other tips that you know of. You can remind me of them afterwards or talk to others and say, oh, it was good, but I missed this bit. It could have been better. Well, help me out by telling others what tips they could have to enjoy the preaching of God's word so that the Spirit speaks to them. But there is one more point that we need to remember if we are to be prepared for the preaching of God's word. And that is that we need to prepare by hungering for God more. Amen. Remember the reason for out of seasons, for preaching of God's word? It's because people don't like God's word. They reject authority. And we see that in the text. It says in verse 2, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. People will reject God's preaching. Why? Because they don't like God. They like their own voices. They like their ears to be tickled by what they like rather than what they need to hear. And so if we are to be prepared for the preaching of God's word, it is necessary that we hunger for God. Maybe you don't like the preaching of God's word. You're up here because there's nothing much else to do around here this morning. And you'd feel a bit embarrassed, a bit ashamed if you were found not to be present. Some people would ask you afterwards, so you've come in here and you're sitting here and you're just taking it and you really don't like it. Is the reason you don't like the preaching of God's word because you don't actually like God. You don't like his authority. You don't like him telling you what to do. And you're actually unsaved. You've never been regenerated regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You are not born again. And that is why you don't like the preaching of God's word. If that is you, you're in an awful state. You're in a very dangerous position. I love that you're here this morning. I love that you've been compelled to come into this room for whatever reason. But you're in an awful state. There is a judgment that is coming. And it will come upon you. God's wrath will descend upon you if you are not someone who loves God. Earlier this year in Hawaii, a whole bunch of mobile phones went off at all the same time with a text message. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. And people did all kinds of things. Said they'd never seen so many boats leave Hawaii at one time. And people even climbed into sewers, went down into the the roads to get away from this missile that was coming in. It was a false alarm. 
But I can assure you that the alarm that is being raised by God's word of the judgment to come is not a false alarm. It's true. The wrath of God is coming upon the wickedness of men. And you need to seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. And where is the immediate shelter? There's only one place. It's the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. He is the one you need to take shelter in. And so if you're someone who doesn't like the preaching of God's word and it's because you do not like God, you do not love God, you do not know what it means to have the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, take immediate shelter now in Jesus Christ. Trust in him. Repent of your sins. Believe that Christ died for you. And if you do that, I can assure you that you have done the best possible, you have made the best possible preparation for the preaching of God's word. Your ground in your heart will now be ripe. It will be in season to hear the preaching of God's word. But if you are a Christian, I encourage you to continue to remove bad attitudes towards God against his authority that is so easy to find in our hearts. Even as Christians, we still have the flesh. We still have that sinful nature that resists God and doesn't like God. And so, of course, we don't like to hear the preaching of his word. We need to grow in our love for God if we are to love the preaching of his word. If we love God, the majesty of God, the power and dominion that God has as we consider his attributes, we'll love the preaching of his word. If we love the God of grace, of mercy, of kindness, we will love the preaching of his word. If we love the Lamb of God, and we love his atoning work at the cross. We will love to hear him speak through his ministers as they speak the word of God. It's interesting when you see young couples and they first start dating, they talk to one another all the time. They can be out together all day. They separate to go to their homes. And what do they do when they get home? They pick up the phone and start talking again. Why do they do that? Why do they talk so much to one another? Why do they want to hear the other person speak? Because they love one another. They love one another and so they want to hear the other person speak. And you can tell when a couple, their love has faded or maybe gone altogether when they stop speaking to one another. They're not interested in what the other person has to say. It's the same with God. If you don't love the preaching of his word, Something has gone wrong in your love for God. And you need to work at loving God, hungering for God. You want to hear him speak because he is the great lover of your soul. And so you always have an ear for him. If you truly love God, you will think that there is no better place to be in all the earth than to hear the Saviour's voice amongst his people. And as you listen to the preaching of God's word, your love will grow for him. And then because your love has grown, you'll want to come back for more preaching of God's word. And then because of that preaching of God's word, your love for him will grow and you'll want more. And so it'll keep on going. As you hear the word preached, your love grows. And as your love grows, you want more preaching. And it just goes on and on through the rest of your life. And then we look forward to the glory to come where we will see him face to face. And as you hear God's word preached and your love grows... You will glorify him as we're called to do and you will enjoy him forever.
Let's come to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we must confess that we are not as prepared for the preaching of the word as we should be. So often we have not taken those preparations that we could have to make sure our hearts are ready for the preaching of your word. Forgive us through Jesus Christ. We thank you that the precious blood of the Lamb does cleanse us from all unrighteousness, including our hard hearts towards your preached word. We thank you for giving us your word and thank you for those who preach it. We ask that you would indeed send us in seasons for the preaching of your word. We ask that you would send us true revival in this land, whether it be for extended periods or for shorter periods. Oh, Lord, revive us and help us to prepare for the preaching of the word. In season and out of season, help us to make sure our churches are ones that have the preaching of your word as central. And so, Lord, we pray that our love for you, our hunger for you, would grow and increase so that our desire for the preached word is all too easy. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.